All right, we're going to jump into the message. Um, and it's a powerful thing we're talking about today. Um, we're going to talk about maturing and knowing and understanding the power of our testimony. And I want to ask you, when's the last time you shared your testimony with someone? Or do you even know what a testimony is? Today it's going to be kind of testimony one-on-one because Apostle Paul is going to share his experience of really how to give a testimony. <clears throat> he's going to talk about his past. He's going to talk about how Jesus rescued him and came to save sinners. And he's going to talk about with a tremendous amount of gratitude. And so all those who are rescued by Jesus have a testimony. We all have a story. And when we share it, lives are saved. Hear this again. All those rescued by Jesus have a testimony. We all have a story. And when we share it, lives are saved. You know, I remember the mission team came up in the summer and there was a guy who I didn't realize he was blind. And he flew up here by himself to serve this church. And as I sat in that kitchen, there was the whole mission team and me and they were having a devotional time. And it was his turn to share his story. And he was legally blind but could see a little bit but couldn't, didn't have any peripheral vision. And um, he shared how he flew up here on the plane. His pride got hurt because he had to use a walking stick. And people had to lead him around. But what really got me, because I hadn't heard a testimony in a while. What really got me, he, he said, God is still faithful. God is still good. God is still loving. And I'm going to still serve God with all my heart, even though I'm blind. So he shared the struggle with his past, with just being blind. People looking at him, you know, just like, he just felt so um, ashamed of being blind. That's what it really came down to. He was like, I felt like less of a man. I didn't want people to see and know that I'm blind. And as I saw the pain of this man and him share how Jesus still rescued him and how he's still going to love God even through all his suffering, it shook me. I really went home and I felt shaken because I said, his testimony was so powerful, it really changed my life. It changed my life. And I went home and told Natalie, I said, Natalie, I haven't had a testimony in a while, but this man, in the way he was lovingly caring for people and going through his weakness and going through his pain and giving all the glory to Jesus, it affected me so much. It actually affected me in a way, because I'm already a believer, but it affected me. I really wanted to stop complaining. You ever have someone share their testimony with you and you're like, wow, they're going through so much more than me. How dare I complain about the cold I have right now? Do you know? His testimony made me realize that God had ordained suffering for his life and that he chose, because many people, when they go through suffering, they will depart from the faith and say, I'm going through suffering. If God's so loving, why am I blind? If God's so loving, why am I sick? But he said, no, God has allowed me to be sick. He's allowed me to suffer. And for some reason, I don't know he's using this for his glory. I'm going to continue to testify of his goodness and of his grace. Is that not amazing? And we all have stories like that where we went through pain and we went through suffering. But there's even more than that because that's us getting victimized, right? That's us getting sick. That's us treating us wrong. That's us getting abused. But how about how we've treated God and others? How about that part of the testimony that Paul talks about today? How about our past? How about Paul who said, my past, I am the chief of sinners. When you look back at your past, 
in your testimony? Do you think you were a light sinner? Or do you say, wow, God saved a great sinner, and I need to testify of it. So today we're going to learn about the power of our testimony. If you turn with me to 1 Timothy 1, 12 through 17. And this is the Apostle Paul. He said, I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. Though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent, but I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. But I receive mercy for this reason that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. To the king of ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Did you just hear that testimony? From the saint who you see many statues about, who you see many paintings about, who you see many preachers say he is the super apostle, he is the greatest apostle. How does he evaluate himself? This is key for your testimony. Because your testimony will have no power if you say I was a light sinner who made good decisions. God saw I was good and saved me. If the apostle Paul is calling himself the foremost of sinners, then where does that leave us? Know why? Because he had a right evaluation of himself. And you know what we do many times as sinners? Because we build kingdoms of pride. I always say this all the time. Where one trash can compares himself to another trash can and you say you're a prettier trash can. And you build these kingdoms like I'm better than him and he's better than him and he's a hero. He's a lesser of a sinner. And we built this kingdom of pride where we actually self-evaluate and say, man, I'm more righteous than him. I'm pretty righteous. But in the kingdom of God, when you rightly evaluate yourself, you say, I'm the chief of sinners. You know why? Paul asked himself. He looked at two things, and I want you to look at this with your testimony. Of your past and the fact that you had to be rescued. Who gets rescued and starts praising themselves? Who's drowning? Someone picks them up and says, man, I'm so good at drowning. No one does that. You praise the one who has saved you. All the glory goes to Jesus. Paul understood he had been rescued from his sin. And he goes through the list. And you should have a healthy list, not to be condemned, but to know what Christ saved you from. Paul says, I was a blasphemer. I was a persecutor. I was an insolent opponent of the gospel. And so I want to run through those. And I want you to ask yourself, what has God brought you from? Were you a thief? Were you immoral? Were you an opponent of the gospel? And so Paul says this. He says, first, I'm a blasphemer. And do you know what a blasphemer is? A blasphemer is someone who curses, reviles, insults God directly. Paul says, I'm a blasphemer. And Paul understood the weight of this because in the Old Testament, they understood the weight of sin. In today's culture, we don't feel sin the way it should be felt. They knew that when you sinned, you sinned against the holy God. And they knew the consequences for sin were humongous. Do you know what happened to someone when they cursed God directly, insulted God directly in the Old Testament? They brought him out in the middle of town and they stoned him. 
because God was that worthy and God was that holy. And they recognized and said, you don't do that to God. Apostle Paul said, I was one of them. I was a blasphemer who cursed God, who insulted God. What did he do? Jesus was God, right? The son of God. Apostle Paul insulted, cursed, and called Jesus a heretic. Heretic. So he's looking back and he's saying, what have I been saved from? I was a blasphemer of God. The things I said about Jesus and to Jesus, I cursed, I insulted, and God rescued me from that kind of past. When you evaluate yourself and you say that, know what you do? You rightly evaluate and say, I'm the chief of sinners. Secondly, Paul was a persecutor. And maybe some of you were persecutors in your past. You made fun of Christians, fun of people who went to church, fun of people who tried to live holy, fun of people who quote, quoted the Bible, fun of people who sang in church, who knows? Maybe you're a persecutor of people and you call, they're pretty extreme. What are they doing? You don't got to go to church every week. You don't got to pray. You don't got to try to live holy. You go taking this thing too far. Maybe you were a persecutor. Paul was an extreme persecutor. Extreme. Paul actually mission every day when he woke up was to track down those who follow Jesus and if necessary, drag them out of their homes, beat them, throw them in prison. And some people argue even people were killed. Imagine that weighing on the conscience of your past and saying, I persecuted God's people and now I'm one of God's people. See, Paul was on the road to go persecute and beat and imprison more followers of Jesus. And then he sees Jesus. What does Jesus say to him? He said, you're persecuting me. And Paul felt the weight of that. Then he all goes on to say, I was an insolent, uh, insolent opponent. Have you ever been an opponent of the gospel? Has anyone told you about Jesus and forgiveness and repentance and grace? And you say, I don't want none of that. There was no bigger opponent than Paul. He thought Jesus was a blasphemer. He thought he was a heretic. And that's why he loved the fact that he got put to death. And all this weighed on Paul's conscience. Do you have things in your past that weigh on your conscience? Well, I want you to feel the rescue that comes with Jesus. And rightly evaluate yourself and understand this glory and this freedom and this peace in saying... I was filthy, and Christ made me new. That's part of our testimony. And you have to notice in Timothy, what did Paul just get finished doing? He got finished saying the false teachers who were teaching the law wrongly, <clears throat> and they put himself above, and they want to be teachers of the law so people respect them, and they're teaching it wrong, and all these, they want the praise of men, all these kind of things. And then you have the apostle Paul come out the gate, and he doesn't say, I'm the best law teacher. He says, I'm the chief of sinners. That changes the culture. You know that? One of the reasons I always call myself a sinner up here and say I'm undeserving is, first of all, sometimes I rightly evaluate myself. Sometimes I don't. I have an ego that I need to repent of sometimes. But Apostle Paul is creating a culture where he's saying, listen, if Apostle Paul, if me, if I am saying that I'm a chief of the sinners, I'm creating a culture where everyone can feel free saying you are a sinner. You know, I saw a guy years ago. I, I saw him. He used to go to a church I knew, uh, I went to, and I saw him down on Main Street, and we were talking, and I was like, he's like, you're pastor in church? Yeah, I said, he said, I'm a, I said, I'm a sinner, just trying to teach other sinners how to learn about the grace of God, and he was like, former sinner. I was like, what do you mean former sinner? You running a perfect life last few days? 
he was just almost insulted that I said, as a pastor, that I was a sinner saved by grace. But Apostle Paul understand, if you want to create a culture that's centered on the gospel, people understand where they're rescued from and have the identity in the gospel, you're not praising your accomplishments, you're praising the accomplishment of Jesus because you needed to be rescued. Do you guys hear that? And there's freedom in that. And Apostle Paul is letting Timothy know, and we're trying to grow with Timothy. Timothy, you can let your congregation know as a leader that you're a struggler sinner saved by grace, and they find their identity in me. And that's one of the keys of maturity. Because when you look at your past, I want you to ask you, what labels would you put on your past? And what has Christ rescued you from? And has it caused so much gratitude to the point where you're just telling people? You know, first off, that was the first point. A mature disciple understands he's the chief of sinners. He doesn't just say Paul was or someone in the fourth row was. He says, I'm the chief of sinners. We're all chiefs in this tribe. But then the testimony starts off like that. And then Apostle Paul, this is what they call Christocentric in, um, in the text. Christ is the center of this text. So if someone gives their testimony and they become the hero, they didn't give their testimony right. If someone gives their testimony, you're like, that guy is awesome. Fantastic decisions. What a life. That's the man right there. That testimony glorified himself. It didn't glorify Jesus. Paul gets to the center of it. And the center of this whole text is Christ came to save sinners of which I am the foremost. Every testimony we give should recognize that our sin put Jesus on the cross. Do you feel like that? Do you feel like that? Now take all those past sins we all just thought about. That we should have. So this is some quick theology on sin here. It's written into eternal law that the wages of sin are death. This means that God is holy. Therefore, if someone sins, if he sins against his neighbor or he sins against God in thought, attitude, or action, that God being holy needs to judge that sin. He needs to punish it. Because if you had a cop there and someone's breaking the law and the cop stood by, you say that's not a cop at all. Right? And that's in human form. If God stands by and lets people do evil without judging it and out, without punishing sin, he is not perfect and therefore will not be God. But because he is God, he has to judge sin. Now, we all are guilty. Therefore, each one of us, because of our past sins, I don't care if you've been doing good lately, because of your past sins, should be judged and punished for them drastically. What does the gospel do? And hear this. We need to know this gospel. Who steps in front to take the punishment that is ours for our sins, for our filthiness? Jesus. That's why that cross is so beautiful. Because you look up there and you say, I was a thief. And Jesus took that punishment. I was immoral, and Jesus took that punishment. I was a blasphemer, and Jesus took that punishment. You need to see him as the substitute, because that's part of the testimony, that he didn't come to save the righteous. He didn't come to save the perfect. He came to save sinners like you and me. And I think everyone here would testify that we are filthy sinners, amen, that have been saved. So please hear that. That's a beautiful testimony. He said Christ came to save sinners. When Paul sees... His blasphemy, his persecution, his opposition to the gospel. He realizes when he saw that cross that he put him on that cross. And that makes your testimony fire. 
Because it becomes personal. It doesn't come some religious thing that's just for other people. It becomes personal. I put Jesus on the cross. And he chose to save me. When's the last time you chose to save someone that sinned against you? It will save the people we love, right? The people who are dear to us, our family. Jesus died for the unrighteous. And it says in the scriptures, you might find some people who would die for the righteous, who would die for those they love. We do that, right? If we saw someone we hurt and someone we love, they're dying, they're treating us good, you're jumping in. How about the person who's treated you horrible your whole life and even victimized you? And were they drown- if they were drowning, would you jump in and save them? That's what Christ did with all of us. Because we all sinned against them. We all were at enmity, which means we were in opposition, hatred against God because we wanted to live our own way and rebel against God. So the fact that he died for us while we are still in sin shakes our stories. Shakes them. And you see the Apostle Paul, every testimony goes, and I, I feel it right now even as I'm sharing it. You go from, man, I'm a filthy sinner. Man, Jesus had to pay for my sin. Whoa, my sin is paid for? What do you mean I'm forgiven? What do you mean I'm washed clean? What do you mean he's given me a new life? What do you mean he's going to bless me? What do you mean he's got a plan? You just start getting thankful. You see Paul goes bananas with gratitude right here. In verse 12, he says, I thank him who has given me strength. Verse 13, I received mercy. Verse 14, God's grace overflowed in me. Verse 16, I received mercy for this reason. You ever been talking about something so good you just start getting thankful and give a woo-hoo and man, come on now? That's what happens to you when you give a testimony. When you're just talking about something so good, you just smile like, this is too good. God's been too good. He just overflows and starts praising his God because he realizes what he deserved. He realized Christ took what he deserved and gave him grace instead and salvation. And he said, this mercy is blowing my mind. Do you guys feel like that? You feel overflow with the affection of God? That God's mercy every morning, every night is blowing my mind. You know, people are thankful when you save them. My, uh, it was my high school, it was June, summer of my junior year. And we all went up to Harold Parker um, did you come on that one, Danny? You didn't come on that trip. Good, because two people almost died. I'm about to share it. We went to Harold Parker in North Andover, and we were getting into things we shouldn't have got into. There was booze there and other things that will alter the mind. And so we were up there, junior year, partying, and in the middle of the day on Saturday, someone decided it would be good if like 15 of us swam across the lake. Like, let's swim this lake, brother. And everyone's like, yeah. And we just started swimming across. We were trying to get to the other side. Halfway through, you could see the panic on people. Every stroke got a little slower. And people were like, I don't know if this was a good idea. All the talk, all the laughter, it all went out. And people just got stone cold Olympian and just started trying to make it to the other side. I'm getting close. People are starting to bit fade. My buddy John, he's a firefighter in Lindell, is behind me by like 10 to 15 feet. He's behind me. And he's fading quick. And I'm thinking, I got to save my life. I got to make it to, to the, um, the other side in order to save anyone. I get to, I grab this limb, I pull myself up on the shore, I look back, and my, bro, my buddy John just said, basically, I got nothing left, brother. 
He was like, really? At 17 years old, just said, I'm so tired, I'm going under. I jumped back in. I grabbed him. I pulled him out and saved his life. And of course, you don't really think of that when you're younger. We were cracking up because I saved a life. He would not stop thanking me all weekend. Non-stop gratitude. That night, you're not going to believe this, but this is true. I saved two lives one weekend. My buddy does not have money for alcohol. He decides to drink a whole bottle of cough syrup. They called it robo-tripping. No one should ever do these things. He's eating a bag of pretzels. Talking to me. All of a sudden, he just falls back. No one's paying attention to him. We're all just like, <laughs> I look down, and for some reason, I have no idea, I punched him in the chest so hard, a pretzel popped out of his throat. He was sitting there comatose, just like this. I punched him, pretzel. He said, you saved my life. He started hugging me. He's like, he felt like he was trapped. No one could hear him. He had a pretzel. He was overdosed on cough syrup. And he said, I was going to die. So I got these two brothers the whole weekend just holding me like you. You saved us. When you get saved, you are so thankful. If I saw these brothers today, they'd probably hug me and say, thank you for what you did. You are eternally grateful. How much more when Christ saves you from the grave, saves you from your sin, gives you eternal life, gives you purpose, gives you salvation, that gratitude should never run out. Amen? Never. There is always something to be grateful for in your testimony. Thankful I'm alive to get a cold. Thankful I have a house to get dirty. Thank you I have a fridge to feed, laundry to do, kids who are loud and don't listen to parent. Thank you, Jesus. Do you see the world like that? That we should always have something to be grateful for. When they were murdering the martyrs, they were singing songs of gratitude as they threw them in the lion's den, as they killed them, as they beheaded them. They said, what an honor that I can die for my king, that I can die for my Jesus. It's all gratitude, even when we suffer. That's our testimony. And that's why when that blind man was saying it, it was all gratitude and it blew my mind because I don't know if I would react the same. So you hear those two things, right, so far. A mature disciple with their testimony understands they are chief of sinners. Secondly, you understand that Jesus rescued you and that should promote you just to proclaim great gratitude to everyone, not just yourself. And we see that with Apostle Paul. But finally, you need to hear this. Chief sinners who are rescued and saved by Jesus become walking, talking testimonials. You should be a walking bulletin board for Jesus that he rescues filthy sinners like you and me. When I got saved when I was 19, I messed up a lot of people's heads. Like I remember people saying, like, you wonder, like, is this just a season? Oh, Joey's saved, he'll be back next week. Then the weeks turned into months. Then the months turned into years. Then the years turned into me being a pastor. Then turned a pastor turned into me planting the church. Finally, they said, something really happened. I remember this one girl said, if, if, if Joey got saved by God, then there has to be a God. 
Like you're starting to mess with people's heads, their life. They got their daily routine. You get saved in the middle of it, it messes everyone up, makes them uncomfortable. Sometimes good ways, sometimes bad ways. Because all of a sudden you start acting different. All of a sudden you have different affections. All of a sudden you have different rules. All of a sudden you're becoming tender. People are going to start asking the right questions. Like, could there be a God? If God could save them, maybe he can save me. And this is what the Apostle Paul says here. And I want to read the scripture to you just again. He says, but for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. I did feel like, and we all should feel like, when people realized God saved me, they said, well, God must be patient if he's saving someone like Joey because he's real messed up. Let me give you the Bostonian translation. I might do this one day, like Eugene H. Peterson did the message. I might just do Bostonian translation of the whole Bible. I am such, I am and was such a messed up, filthy sinner that when God showed mercy to me, he knew that it would turn heads. And many would say, if God showed that dog grace and changed him, then maybe there's a chance for me. And many chief sinners came to faith. Think about that. If God saved us, People say, maybe there's a chance for me. When people look at how you've been changed, they should say, that's a patient God. Not, ah, I have no chance because he's really good and I could never live like him because he is perfect. should be like, man, he's messed up. And if he's pastoring, maybe I can at least go to church. Right? Do you see the grace in that? Apostle Paul saying, if there's a chance for him, if there's a chance for her, there's a chance for me. You've got to understand that God's put you in people's lives. So that as you're changed, as the Holy Spirit changes you, that they will actually bring hope to them. And we should rejoice that we even get to be part of the kingdom of God. And when we're silent and don't share our testimony, there's no way for our testimony to have power like that. That's why I want to encourage you. Who are you sharing your testimony with? Or has fear, the enemy in this world, silenced your testimony because you don't want to look strange? You all, and we're going to talk about this missional community on Tuesday night, kind of train people for it. You should be ready to fire off three to five minutes of your testimony to shake minds. You'd be like, who are you? Well, I'm a grave sinner who's been saved by Jesus. You want some of this? You should be ready when they say, what's your story? I say, let me tell you a story. This is a filthy sinner. This is my past, and this is what Jesus has done. And some... Some will reject you and say you're a goofy man. But some will be saved. And let me ask you, if 50 members of your family and your group of friends, if you shared your testimony with all 50 and only 20 got saved, would it be worth it? Even if the other 30 made fun of you and didn't want to be with you, would it be worth it? I want you to feel the weight of this. Because I'll talk about warfare next week. And too many times we don't realize that you've got to wage warfare when you're trying to see people come from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. This isn't about sitting in church for an hour, even when we come here for Jesus, to be built up for the mission. This is about every day, people we know, people you love, people you talk to. If they saw God today, would not have their sins pardoned because they didn't put their faith in Jesus. And that's pretty serious. And that's why we share our testimonies. Because salvation is not just about us. 
And we can get caught in a selfish salvation. Well, I'm free now. I got a good church family. Oh, this is all hunky-dory. But we forget the ones that need to hear our testimony. And God will bring some to salvation. Please have that fire and that love for people that you're willing to share your testimony. Please. Their eternity might depend on it. So I want to just close with these couple application points. And we'll talk about this more at the missional community. I didn't announce that, but what a great time at our first missional community. We had 35 people, men, women, and children come through. I think there's already more signed up for this Tuesday. We just cast vision for it, ate some great food. There was antipasto that blew my mind. But this week, we're going to focus on how to share your testimony and what that looks like and train a little bit on that. We might even break off into small groups to talk about training in that. But the first thing is, Simple pattern of testimony. We recognize that we're a chief of sinners. A solid understanding of the gospel, meaning Jesus took your place and paid the price. We all need to be able to communicate the gospel in a simple way. An eternally grateful heart that Jesus has saved you. And a call and appointment to share with others. Because you see in this verse, Paul said, he didn't just save me. He saved me so I could be a bulletin. So I could be a walking, talking testimony that Jesus Christ is real and he rescues sinners. That's why he saved me, so that other people who saw me, there's never been a change of a team that has blown minds more than Paul going from persecutor blasphemer to the leader of the church. Think about your biggest free agency that blew your mind. When LeBron went to Miami, that blow your mind? If Big Poppy went to the Yankees, would that blow your mind? Come on, people just got real uncomfortable. And I won't even bring up Brady because some of you idolize him and I'm not going there. But there's never been a switch of a team like this. Paul must have woke up every morning like, you have ever been following Jesus and say, what am I doing right now? I'm going to church. What am I doing right now? I'm singing. What am I doing? I'm giving. I don't give. I'm cheap. You ever been doing stuff and said to yourself, like, what has Jesus done to me in fantastic ways? Paul must have woke up from the dude who's tracking down and killing Christians and blaspheming, and now the persecutor becomes the persecutor. They're throwing him in jail and been saying, this is blowing my mind. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. So I'll finish with this. Your testimony will change people's lives. I was down in Washington, D.C., and this is my final story here. There was like 600,000 people there. I was young. I was in my 20s. I went down there to just... Worship Jesus on the lawn of the White House. 600,000 of us showed up. And I was out there with 600,000 people worshiping Jesus. They're bringing up worship bands and we were, all this kind of stuff. We were praying on the lawn of the White House. And this guy got on the stage. He was up next. And um, he shared that he was talking about abortion. And he said, my mother was raped when she was a teenager. She was raped by a man she didn't know. And he said, her family, my family, told her to abort me. He said, don't do this. This It's crazy. You don't even know the man. You're young. This is going to ruin your life. And she chose to keep him. And he talked about how Jesus rescued him and even ordained all that. And I'm just shaking as I'm listening to the story. And then he began to sing. And lead 600,000 of children, kids of God, children of God, in worship of God. 
and gratitude and thankfulness. And he had one of the most powerful voices I've ever heard to date. And I'm not just saying that so the story sounds better. I'm telling you, his voice blew my mind. And I looked around at 600,000 followers of Jesus, children of God, worshiping Jesus. And I said, what an amazing testimony. That testimony shook me again. It shook me that his mother chose to keep him. And ultimately, Jesus chose to rescue him and have that unbelievable story of his past so that he could be saved to proclaim the goodness of God. And I hope you feel that too, that Jesus chose to save us so we could be proclaimers of our testimony, that our story glorifies the one who is worth glorifying. Amen? Please have that fire in your bones. Share your testimony. Do it at least once this week. Don't let this word fall on deaf ears. Share your testimony with someone this week. I don't care if your husband or your wife, your boyfriend or your girlfriend, your friend, your sister, your brother, your aunt, your uncle. Sit someone down and tell them what Jesus has done for you. Let's pray.